Welcome to The Light of the World. Do you remember the first time you heard the gospel presented to you? You may have been a small child or you may have been an adult. There are various ways that people present the gospel to us. Jesus used a very simple approach. He just said, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Jesus Christ came so we can have eternal life, and he also came so that we can continue to grow and be transformed into his likeness. He also came so that we can have eternal life in the future, but also have an abundant life today. Listen closely to today's message that will help you to receive Christ if you don't know him and grow in Christ if you belong to him. Come and go with us as we look at the simple gospel and how to continue to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. When Jesus Christ was relaxing in the evening, a man came to him to discover about the power and the presence that he displayed. Although this man was a religious man, a man who knew the word of God, he knew the scriptures, but he did not know Jesus. He knew the word of God from the scriptures, but he did not know Jesus. Now, he knew about Jesus, but he did not know Jesus. There are people who know about Jesus, and then there are others who know about Jesus but do not know him personally. I know about the President of the United States, but I don't know him personally. Then there are people who know Jesus. They believe on him. They have received him as their Lord and their Savior. So I'm hoping there's somebody here this morning that know him. And they know him as Lord and Savior. We don't know him from a distance. We know him up close and personal because we've had an interaction with him and we've invited him into our hearts and into our lives. We don't just know about him. We know him. And more importantly, he knows us. He knows us. He said, that's my child. And every parent ought to at least know their children. At least the women do. The men will catch that later. <laughs> Nicodemus was this man's name, and we talked about him a couple of times. So I'm not going to stay there long, but I just want to bring those who were not here up to speed really about where we are. Nicodemus was his name, and he told Nicodemus that if he wanted to live the God kind of life, with the power and the presence of God operating in his life, he must be born again. See, Nicodemus knew he'd been going to church and he he knew he knew the scriptures. He knew he'd been fasting when the fast days were and he knew that he knew how to do all the prayers that they were praying, but he recognized that Jesus had something he didn't have and that was some power. He said, we know that you're a teacher that comes from God. No man could do the things you're doing unless God was with him. And Jesus says, now, if you want this kind of interaction, you want this kind of results in your life, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus wondered, how can a man go back into his mother's womb to be born again? I understand I heard what you said, but how can that happen? What do you mean? 
And Jesus told him that there was a difference between a physical birth and a spiritual birth. So the Lord began with birth, which was familiar. Birth being the universal experience that everybody enjoys. Everybody here has been born physically. We've had that experience. We know that we have been born. And he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That word even again means from above. You must be born from above. All human beings have experienced a natural birth on earth. But if we expect to get to heaven, we must experience a spiritual, supernatural birth from above. You can't get into heaven just because you come to church. You know, I used to think, and uh, I, t- I talked to a newcomers, and I said, you know, when we first started our church, I, I came from the Pentecostal church, the holiness church, where, you know, we were just holiness or hell, they used to tell you. And I, I didn't want anybody to be a part of our church unless they were saved. You can't be a member unless you're saved. You can't don't even come in through the door. But I came to understand that We need people to come to know Christ and we want unsaved people to come to church. So this is what I tell them now. You don't have to be saved to join the light of the world. You have to be saved to go to heaven. This ain't heaven. So don't get here and think that just because you fit in here that you got it made. Because you're going to have to leave here and go through security. And if you got some stuff on you that won't get through through security, you just wasted your time sitting up in here. I'm here to make it clear that yes, we want all the unsaved folks that we can get to come in here so we can get you right so you can go to heaven when the time comes. And Jesus came and he said, I'm talking to a religious man. I'm talking to a man who knows the word of God, but I want him to be sure that he understands what it's going to take to get from here to there. And he says, you need to be born again. And this birth involves life, spiritual life, which involves the God kind of life. Now, the opposite of life is death. And the person who does not believe on Jesus Christ does not have God's life, eternal life, or the abundant life. Jesus said there is another alternative, and that is eternal death, separation, and destruction. He says you can talk about all the scriptures you want to talk about, but when it all comes down to the end, it's only going to be death or life. And he says, I want you to be sure you don't have a misunderstanding. And he says, the only way to enter to God's family is through the new birth. And Nicodemus wanted to know, well, okay, so how does this work? How does this work? I I thought I had it all right. How does this work? In John chapter 3 and in verse 14, Jesus said this, just as Moses was lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up 
that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in the sermon called The Snake and the Savior. But in this passage that I just read, there are three phases that emphasizes something very important in this verse. And that, that phrase is lifted up. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man himself must be lifted up. That's mean he's going to be lifted up on that cross. Then the other statement is believes in him. Everyone who believes in him. And then he says, have eternal life have eternal life. When you believe on him as your Lord and Savior, even when you die physically, you're gonna, your eternal life moves on. Now, whenever any person dies physically, they still exist. You know how it is. You've been to a funeral where they say, well, they're in a better place. Well, I don't ever tell anybody at a funeral when I'm doing it that whoever there was in a better place. Because I don't know. It's not like there's only one place to go. If there was only one place, I could say they're in a better place. But the Lord said there are more than one place to go. He says narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, but broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many people traveling on that broad way. Jesus did a lot of teaching, and we're going to get into some of that as we get down in the book of John. He did a lot of teaching on hell and destruction. And he said, I came that you don't have to go there. So in the church today, we don't want to talk about hell. When the last time you heard a fire and brimstone message about hell at church, well, we don't want to scare the people. We don't want them to have fear. Yeah, they scared the hell out of us when we were young. They talked about hell so much that when they did an altar call, the altar was full. You don't want to go there. Hell is hot. I remember my mother when we were young, she would, every once in a while, we'd be in the kitchen, she'd be cooking, she'd say, give me your hand. She'd grab my hand, let me put it on this fire over here. I'm gonna, that's what hell is like. Oh, no, mama, no, mama. You don't want to go there. Now, she'd be arrested today, wouldn't she? But that was back in the day when kids would disappear. You never know what happened to them. Yeah. What, happened to that? what happened to that boy? Well, he went to Indiana to stay with his kinfolk. Oh, you never see him again. Where was I at? As judgment came upon the people in this Old Testament scenario, in this Old Testament incident that Jesus referred to, he says, Nicodemus, you know all the scriptures. Let me point you back to what happened when the people began to complain so much that God got so upset with them that he put snakes and serpents all in the camp and they begin to bite the people and the people will start dying and then they beg Moses to intercede on their behalf and God said, Moses, get a bronze replica of that snake, put it on a pole and lift it up over the camp and anybody who would look at that snake and believe that I'm going to heal them, I'm going to heal them. All they got to do is look and live. And Jesus said, remember that, Nicodemus? Yes. Well, that's, that's a picture of what's going to happen when, when I offer myself up on that pole. Anybody that look upon me, even though they may have the poison of sin running through their veins, I will have the remedy 
for their sin life if they would just look upon me. Jesus says he had the remedy for all men who was dying from the poison of sin. And the principle of that remedy is still the same. You just need to look and live. So we have the lifted up. He said we're lifted up and the believing and the eternal life. And this verse is the first of 15 references in the book of John's gospel to this concept of eternal life. He talks about it. He mentions it 15 times. Eternal life. That's important. What is eternal life? It is the believer's participation in the blessed and everlasting life of Christ when we have a union with him as our Lord and our Savior. Now, you have to understand that Jesus has come into the world. Well, where did he come from? He came from his heavenly abode with his Father. And he knows what the plan is. He knows what the future is. He knows how everything is going to go in the end. I already know what's going to happen in the end. So I'm coming to tell you and to inform you that you don't have to go down in the hell fires. That's for those who are disobedient and those who have not been redeemed from their sin lifestyle. You don't have to go there. You do not have to perish, but you can have everlasting life. And that everlasting life will be the life that you can rule and reign and live with God forever in eternity. Especially when you shed this earth suit that we live in, we call our bodies. He says, I understand. I know what's going to happen. And I'm coming to tell you. Paul wrote this in the book of Romans chapter 6 verse 21. He was talking to the church and he says, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. He's talking about our sinful, separated lifestyle. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. That's what you've got now. Then he said this, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin. He said, you're going to get paid for all of the sin in your life. Sin pays wages. And he said, the wages is death. You are on death row with sin in your life. You're on death row. The wages of sin is death, but he said there is a gift of God, and that is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus and his conversation with Nicodemus is saying, just like uh, they lifted up the bronze snake in the desert, the son of man must be lifted up, and anyone who believes on me will have eternal life. And then he goes right into this powerful verse that we all know. It's part of the same conversation. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You want to know how this works, Nicodemus? You want to know what the process is of being born again? I'm going to be lifted up and you need to believe on me. You won't have to perish. You shall not perish, which means somebody is perishing. Somebody is perishing, but you don't have to. Let's look at that a little closely. 
See, because this, this verse is so familiar with us, uh, years ago, uh, used to just see this uh, verse being posted in the football games and stadiums. John 3.16. Now they don't want that in the stadiums no more. Somebody just have big signs in the end zone. John 3.16 became a famous verse. Try to go put it up now. They'll, they'll throw you out the stadium. You can have a verse saying anything else, but don't put no scriptures. Don't talk about God. and All of these kind of things like that. It's getting to the point where this thing is coming to an end pretty soon. But because it's so familiar, we can overlook the importance of this verse for every person in the world. Let's not overlook God's motive for giving this indescribable gift of his son, his one and only son. God's motive, what was it? It was love. He loved the evil, sinful people of the world. We are his creation. He brought us and he created us and he placed us here. He loves us even though we weren't acting right. There's going to be a penalty for your sin. Now some of you grew up back in the day when you used to get a whooping. My parents loved us, but when we were disobedient, most of the time we got a whooping. And how many of your parents were whooping you and say, I'm doing this because I love you? I'm like, okay, cut back on the love, please. <laughs> well, I'm doing this because I love you. Oh, my mother, she had a whole lot of slogans while she was whooping. I'm beating you so the police won't have to. So we were receiving the penalty for our disobedience. And there is a penalty for our disobedience and our separation from God. We have Adam to thank for that. Because through one man, sin came into the world and it became part of our DNA. And we have the nature and the propensity to sin because that's what's on the inside of us. And Jesus came to change that for us. And God sent his only son. And Paul wrote this. God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us while we were yet sinning. He didn't say, you come and get right, and then maybe we'll do something. He said, no, right where you are, right now, no matter what you're doing, what's going on in your life, no matter how addicted you are, no matter how abusive you are, no matter how out of control you are, I die for you right now, and I'm ready to save you right now, doesn't matter what. You can't get right enough for God to do something for you. He just does it out of his great love. For us, it was so vast. John, who wrote this book, says, So God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son as a sacrifice so that he can shed his blood to cover all the sins of the world. Someone has to die for the sin. And he says, My son will do that for everybody. And this term world, he died to save the whole world. That world is used for humanity. And the good news is that anyone in the world who looks to Jesus in faith can have the salvation that he offers. Anybody, everybody can have it. And by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and an offering for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh. 
The Old Testament writers knew this day was coming and they wrote about it. Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. King James says by his stripes we are healed. When he was beaten and pressed upon and spat on and drugged through the street. He didn't deserve that but he says I'm doing this so that those who do deserve it won't have to pay the penalty for it. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. I got this for you on the cross. Oh, the Hebrew writer says, for the joy laid before him, he endured the cross. He could have come off that cross. He had the power just to come down. In fact, he told those who were persecuting him, you're not taking my life. I'm giving it up. I could call an angel. Legions of angels can get me out of this thing if I wanted to. But he said, but for the joy set before him, knowing that you and I were going to be able to come to him if he does this, he says, I can do this. So I'm coming to save mankind. I'm coming to save the people of the world. I can do this. I can do this. Jesus then was lifted up on the cross like that serpent in the wilderness. And because he was lifted up, he provides the gift of salvation, which is the remedy for sin, which causes eternal death. This gift of salvation is free and is only available to whoever believes. So he's lifted up, but you got to believe. You got to believe this offer covers anyone and everyone. There's no fine print in this scripture that says whoever believes on him shall not perish. There's no fine print. There's no bait and switch. This is not like that advertising you see for that medicine, that those new drugs they come out with. They just tell you, you need to take this. This will solve your problem. Then you listen to all the side effects. You may have suicidal tendencies. You may feel like jumping out the window and killing your family, but it would certainly help your fever. <laughs> Who wants that? But there's no fine print. There's no, you might still go to hell if you do this or that. No, you are set free from sin and you have eternal life. The moment you come to Christ, your eternal life begins that day. I believe there are many people who will come to the Lord if the gospel message was simple and understandable. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, allow the Holy Spirit to use you and the simple gospel message to reach others who don't know him. If you are a follower of Christ, know that he wants you to live a life that's exemplary and represent the holiness that he requires and desires in the life of every believer. These are the days that we can make a big difference as we reach others for Christ. This is Jerry G. Martin. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear it again, go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. 
You can hear today's message and all of our previous messages that have aired on this station. Now I give you my personal invitation to come and join us on Sunday morning. We're right here in the North Houston Humble area at 16161 Old Humble Road. Our Sunday morning services are at 10 a.m. Pastor Jackie Martin is in a brand new series called Unstuck, how to get out of the rut that is keeping you from doing all that God has required of you. Let me remind you as well of the Beacon Bookstore right here on our campus for church supplies, communion supplies, books, and Bibles. You can get those right here. Just call us at 281-441-2885. That's 281-441-2885. If you would like more information about the Light of the World, go to our website at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. Now for the Light of the World. May the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.